0: Hey, and good morning, faithful listener. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. And today we're going to be talking about Numbers chapter 27, verses 1 through 11. So let's just go ahead and and do this. Let's jump in and grab your Bible, your cup of coffee, or your cup of tea, and let's read Numbers 27, 1 through 11. Then the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, came near. These are the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Terzah. They stood before Moses, before Eleazar the priest, and before the princes and all the congregation at the door of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against Yahweh in the company of Korah, but he died in his own sin. He had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from among his family, because he had no son? Give to us a possession among the brothers of our father. Moses brought their cause before Yahweh. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. You shall surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers. You shall cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. You shall speak to the children of Israel saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his kinsman who is next to him of his family. And he shall possess it. This shall be a statute and an ordinance for the children of Israel as Yahweh commanded Moses. The first thing I want to ask you guys to do is to remove, (laughs) and I had to do this myself, remove your Western lens of this because the rules back then are not the same as they are today. I know that most people that listen to this podcast live uh, either in America or in a Western country. So... Remove the Western lens of the inheritance. Now, of course, I will talk a little bit about this nowadays, but we have to remember where this was coming from, this entire story uh, way back when this first happened. This was ancient days. Women had absolutely zero rights to property at this time. So these daughters... The daughters of Zalofahad. And don't forget, we actually talked about these daughters. I mentioned them very, very briefly. Their names were Mila, or I'm sorry, Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Terza. <laughs> I really think there was a theme going on with these names. Because they all end in an AH. Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, Terza. There was definitely some sort of theme going on when they named these girls. <laughs> it's funny how. You know, people aren't very different back in these days as they are now. Like, I know a lot of people that are like, we're going to do M names for our kids. We're going to do B names for our kids or whatever. So, I mean, kind of similar. It sounds like here is they definitely named their kids after some sort of a theme. But anyway, there were five daughters of this guy named Zalofahad. And no matter what, in this day and age, if had died and he had no sons... It would immediately pass to the father's brothers. So Zelophehad's brothers. And the daughters have issue with this. Not because of themselves, actually, which is one of the cool things about this. These daughters are not actually coming to Moses and Eliezer because they are angry that they don't have any rights. They are actually coming to Moses and Eliezer Because here's what it says in verse four, why should the name of our father be taken away from among his family because he had no son? So that's really beautiful that these daughters were not actually thinking, oh, you know, women's rights. I don't have any rights. How dare God? How dare you? How dare anybody not give us a piece of this land because, you know, men rule the world. (laughs) That's not what these women were doing. They were coming to Moses because they didn't want their father, their father's name to disappear. So this was an act of courage that they did because this was very out of the normal. This was uh, not heard of back in these ancient times. So it was courageous, but also it was not with themselves in mind they were not thinking of themselves they were thinking completely of their family and of their father's name we see that the the name of the father is actually very very important in these times the birthright holder is very important the tribe leader the princes are very important people so Zalopha has name being completely erased from history was just not something that these daughters wanted. This was out of respect for their father and for their father's family that these daughters came and did this. So this was the daughters doing an act of courage to honor their dead father. And that's why these daughters are so special. But here's what they say when they come before Moses. It says in verse 2, They stood before Moses, before Eleazar the priest, and before the princes and all the congregation at the door of 10 a meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against Yahweh in the company of Korah, but he died in his own sin. So they make it very clear that their father (laughs) was not in the company of Korah. You remember the rebellion of Korah that happened? That was bad news. We talked about that a while ago. But these daughters make it very clear, like, look, my father was not in the rebellion of Korah. He did not do any of that stuff. So he should be honored because he just died in the wilderness. Here's what they say. He died in his own sin. So because Zelophehad had died in the wilderness, that entire generation was supposed to die in the wilderness because of their rebellion of not wanting to go into the land of Canaan. So these daughters make it clear that, yes, our father in his own right was a sinner. He did die in the wilderness, but he did not die with Korah he was not that much of a rebel to go against Yahweh like that rather he died in his own sin so they're making it very clear to Moses and to everybody that yes their father was a sinner and he did die in the wilderness but he was not a rebel in that way the same way that Korah and the people that followed Korah were when they were trying to totally overthrow Moses and rebel against Yahweh just hundred percent completely. So I do find it interesting that these daughters make that distinction to say that their father should be deserving of his name being passed down through the generations, basically. So because this was so out of the ordinary, Moses ends up taking this case to Yahweh because this was unheard of. Have A woman having uh, rights to property was very just not heard of. <laughs> back in these days. So it says Moses brought their cause before Yahweh. So Yahweh comes to Moses because I love the way that Moses always brings new cases to God instead of just trying to figure them out himself. That's one cool thing that we see Moses always does and something that is lost once Moses dies. We see a lot of times the Israelites making mistakes in that where they don't bring certain things to God because uh, they decide to make the decision on their own. But Moses always took new cases to God. He was very verbal with God. He prayed often to God and he talked with God the way a friend talks to another friend. So that's definitely something we can imitate with Moses is making sure we always bring new things to God, not trying to make a ton of decisions on our own, but going before God with our prayer life to help Ask him to help guide us, basically, because we do know that the Holy Spirit that resides inside of us is our counselor. And so a counselor helps you make the right decisions, right? So if we are always bringing new problems to God and asking for wisdom, the Holy Spirit is going to give us that wisdom to make the correct choice. And Moses understands this, I think, better than most people, especially in the Old Testament. So Moses brings this case to God and God says, The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. So he commends these young ladies for coming to Moses with this issue, trying to honor their father the way they are. Not thinking of themselves, not thinking of their own rights, but coming to Moses to ask that their father continue to be honored. God mentions many times in scriptures that you are supposed to honor your parents, and doing this is right. There's actually a verse, I think it's Ephesians uh, either 5 or 6, that talks about children, honor your father and your mother, for this is right, is what it says. And you will live long on the earth. It's a, it's a great commandment for children, but not just children, adult children also need to honor their parents because it is a good thing to do. Because God gave you those parents, and even though they were sinners, just like this Zelophehad guy was, he definitely was a sinner, we can still honor them in the way that God tells us to honor them. So because these daughters choose to do something so out of the ordinary to honor their father, God commends these young ladies. And he says, you shall surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers. I don't know if God would have had the same response to these young ladies if they were coming f- for their own gain. I don't know. Perhaps he would have. But I think what God really admired about these ladies was just their their thoughts towards their family. That's what I truly believe anyway. And I don't believe This is necessarily talking about women's rights, which I think is what we often um, try to make this out to seem like in Western culture. That's why I asked you to remove the veil (laughs) that Western culture tries to uh, give us. But anyway, but God, because of the honorable conduct of these young ladies, he honors them. He says, give them a possession of an inheritance from their father's brothers, but not just them. Because of what these young ladies did now, because they honored God by honoring their father, the way Ephesians says to do, honor your parents for this is right. These young ladies have now given all women the right to property. So that's where I believe that respecting God and respecting God's commands is really what produces the best results. It's always what's going to produce the best results. We got to honor God first if we want things to change. Like that's just, if we want things to change in our society, we just have to honor God. That's truly what I believe. And these women are just a prime example of changing the societal construct because they honored God first and the things of God. So here's what it says. You shall cause the inheritance of their father to pass to the daughters if there is no son. So continuing in verse eight, you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. And then he goes on to say, if he has no daughter, then you shall give the inheritance to his brothers. So now the father's brothers don't have nearly as much rights to that guy's property as the daughters do. So that means that if my sister and I lived in this day and age (laughs) you know, because my dad, he never had any sons. He just had uh, me and my sister. That means that the property that my dad owned would immediately pass completely to my sister and I. And there'd be no birthright holder either. It doesn't sound like. So even though my sister is nine years older than me, she would not receive more land than I would. It would just be a very fair and equal uh, breakup of property. Because the birthright holder was supposed to be the tribe leader basically one of these princes almost that god talks about or at least similar to these princes the tribe leaders these guys would be the birthright holders that would take care of the entire family now if, if my dad you know had no sons that means that my sister and I would receive the inheritance and we would keep it completely until we married into another family that had A tribe leader, then the the property and everything would be integrated in as I became a part of my husband's family, I suppose. And that's kind of how this would work. Now, we do see that God makes an extra rule later on because we're not going to hear the end of Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and (laughs) Terzah. (laughs) We're going to see them again. And there's actually an entire chapter dedicated to these women and the extra rule that they have to do in order to keep the inheritance in their family completely. So we'll talk about that later on. I'm not going to get into that today. So this really is such a beautiful thing and totally changes the idea that women have no value because the women absolutely have value. Now, of course, The way God created the family unit, the man is the one who is typically supposed to be the leader, right? And we see that just totally repeated all throughout scripture, even the New Testament. The man is supposed to be the leader. But really, this takes the pressure off of the woman trying to make decisions. I'm going to be honest with you guys. (laughs) I, I do have a power struggle sometimes. I would guess with my husband making decisions. But in the end, if you follow the way that God commands you to follow with allowing your husband to be the leader, it does take pressure off of the woman trying to make all the big decisions. And so it is a way to protect women from having to do too much. And if you don't mind, I'm going to try to rabbit trail a little bit longer about this, because if you go back way into the Garden of Eden, right? where the curse is broken up after the man and the woman sin, the curse is that the man is supposed to uh, have the sweat of his brow. You know, he's supposed to do very hard labor, whereas the woman does hard labor in a different way where she has the children and it's the pain of childbirth. That was the curse of the man versus the woman. But unfortunately, we often try to give the woman the curse of both the man and the woman. So not only do they have to bear the burden of having hard labor with childbearing, but they also have to go out into the world, work, provide, do all this kind of stuff. And this is why... (laughs) I might be getting too political here. This is why I think we women are so irritated sometimes because women are trying to take on both curses. They do it to themselves. And unfortunately, I also do think that uh, men do it to women as well. The curse for the man was not meant for the woman. So going back to this, God specifically put men as the leaders because that was their curse. Of course, I don't believe that this is a black and white situation, and I don't think that women can never lead and never provide and do stuff like that. So don't get me wrong when when I'm talking about this. But what I'm saying is that just overall, that curse is placed on the man. So that is typically why God put the man being in charge of the property back in these days was because they are the ones who are supposed to take care of their families, provide whatever else. And the women did not have to have the burden of that curse. But now that these girls did such a great thing, they do have the right to property. And God makes it very clear that, yes, women should be allowed to own property. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course not. But as an overall basis, the property should go first to the boys because the boy is the one who is going to take care of the sisters because it is not the daughter's role at that point to take care of themselves. But if there is no boy in that family to take it over, daughters absolutely have the right to property and their father's inheritance in general. Well, friends, I hope this cleared up the idea of the two curses in, um, in Genesis a little bit better. And you can go back and read those, obviously they're in, I believe Genesis chapter two or three, but I think it is important to make the distinction between the curse of the man and the curse of the woman, just because things are so wacky now. And, uh, we do try to mess up even something like curses, (laughs) Oh, boy. But anyway, I hope you faithful listeners just enjoyed this chapter of, uh, you know, numbers 27 and just these wonderful daughters. That tried to honor their father so well And got rewarded in the end Not just rewarded for themselves But all young women got rewarded As well because of what they did So this is just something that's super cool As somebody who is a woman I do enjoy a good story in the Bible About uh, faithful women But friends, tune in on Monday We're going to be talking more about Numbers 27 And we're going to get pretty close to Moses dying here So we're going to be wrapping up The age of Moses, I suppose And moving into To the age of Joshua. So I will see you guys on Monday, 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up to listen to an episode about the passing of the leadership role from Moses to Joshua. I'll see you then. But happy listening and God bless.